This is the Mike Garrigan Podcast. Welcome to episode 6 of 15 for the year 2015 in the Echoes of Winter podcast series. My name is Mike Garrigan, and this is the Mike Garrigan Podcast. And today we're going to continue the series of new music for you. Uh, Let's kick it off with a song called Lazarus Sign. So those of you out here who have, uh, are just tuning in for the first show, uh, 
we're previewing songs from Mike's new, new record, uh, The Echoes of Winter, and that song was called Lazarus Sign. It's track six. And uh, what can you tell us about that song? Well, it was, um, it's based on the idea uh, in, in medicine uh, when, when you're looking at, say, a, um, a cadaver, uh, a dead body, it's, it's not uncommon for, a, well, I guess maybe it is, I don't know how common it is, but occasionally there'll be a situation in which uh, that cadaver has a reflex of some kind. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they'll, they'll bend up and sit up or, or something will twitch and they'll have the appearance of not being dead, but it's really just a Lazarus sign. That's pretty creepy. Um, That's really creepy. It's kind of a creepy idea, but I use it as a metaphor for sometimes when you find yourself, or at least I find myself, hanging on to a relationship. And um, if that relationship is a metaphor for something else, uh, sort of some of the conventions and, um, I guess, crutches we hang on to to get through things, um, maybe hope that something will get better when it won't, um, that kind of idea is sort of the metaphor at play there. I think the first song on the record, Fade Away, hinted at some of this electronic sound, and this song definitely has pronounced synthesizers, and there's a, there's a cool electric guitar section in there, but what was the rationale for using um, synthesizers on this song mm-hmm. rather than um, traditional guitars, as you would on other recordings? In the early conception of this record, um, one possibility was to make it, I don't know, more of a digital... Um, electronic record, but that really didn't translate well into to my skill set. But I did have an idea to use synths on at least one song. So this song features that idea. And there's Mellotron all over the record, which is essentially like an organic synthesizer that uses tape loops. Um, but that being said, you know, this is clearly that uh, synthy sound that um, I, I really haven't used much of before. Mm-hmm. And Will this sound appear in the record later on, or is this the only other location for it? This is track six, and it's sort of the the anchoring piece of the album. You know, it's sort of the midpoint. Um, and really, after this song is is sort of where you would flip flip the record if we were on vinyl. Um, but the synthesizers do appear later on in the record um, on a song called "My Heart Is a Vacuum." And "My Heart Is a Vacuum" is a special song because it's actually a medley of I think what ended up being six different pieces from the demo reel. That came out pretty cool. And um, there's a song called Icicles that we took all the lyrics, I took all the lyrics out and just substituted a nice synth patch. Um, And there's also a a vocoder on that Mm -hmm. song. So look forward to uh, some more synth in the future on the record. Yeah, I like the use of vocoder on some of your other Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, Thanks, thank you. But I have to ask, uh, what is the current release plans for the album? How are things going? They're going pretty well. Um, I'm looking at probably launching a Kickstarter in April, hopefully in April. Um, the delay is that, I mean, I, I really wanted to be kind of printed by now, uh, but the delay is that there's been fortunately a lot of, of projects at Two Egrets, the, my, my recording studio, that have taken a lot of my attention. And then I'm also going to be making a trip the end of, of the month. So April would be a good time for me to just focus on it and, and get it out there. I'm looking forward to, to sharing it with everybody. I'm glad we've had such good response and good listenership. Um, we have a solid listener base, and I can count on a certain number of plays every week. And I just want to say thank you to everybody out there who listens to this this show. Yeah, mutually, you know, for me, I, I want to say thank you to everybody for all the support. 
Um, one of the things you can do to help us out is leave us an iTunes review, uh, share it with your friends, and uh, that'd be great. You know, it'd be really cool just to get a little more exposure than what we're getting. So you did a uh, a stage it show this past weekend. Yeah. How was that? Oh, it was great. It was really good. We did a uh, I did a show. It's sort of focused on this album, The Return of Spring, that I did um, about four years ago. And um, anyway, the show was great, man. It was just, it uh, wasn't a lot of people because there was a big basketball game on at the time, but the people that were there really liked it and supported it. And I got some uh, cool requests for songs that, you know, people know the record and they know the B-side. So it was it was good to have some some really supportive fans there. And um hope to get, you know... Um, to do more with with stage it too i hope next month's show will will be uh bigger it's going to be an all request show it's april 11th 9 p.m eastern daylight time uh all request all cover show on mm-hmm. stageit.com check it out yeah that'll be a good a good show i always like the request shows and i know we're going to give the money to charity anything we make over what it costs us to put on the show we give away so that's that's a good thing but i have to ask you with these stage it shows and this acoustic identity how do you foresee uh, promoting the Echoes of Winter? Do you think you'll put a band together to to bring these songs to life in the way that they've been recorded, or do you feel like it'll be more of an acoustic presentation? I think initially it'll be acoustic, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, The Lessons of Autumn was a record that grew out of just finding people to come play on some acoustic songs, and um, you know, being realistic. Um, I don't think I'll be doing nearly as much touring. Um, and in fact, most of it will be just acoustic online. There'll be a couple live shows that will support it. And I hope that with the Kickstarter, uh, we'll have some private house concerts uh, throughout the country, which would be nice. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking about having me come to play in your living room, I'd be happy to do it. Just stay tuned for the Kickstarter. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it'll be an acoustic uh, presentation, but you never know. We'll see. I like the house concerts for the other records that you did. I mean, I don't think there were any for Malamander, but I remember the Return of Spring and Pillar of the Sun private concerts were, were really special, and they uh, I mean, they connected you with fans in a different way than you can at a club or, or online. So looking looking forward to that, man. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, we didn't have a guest today. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to bust my chops for that. No, it's fine. I knew I knew it would happen. I know you've been really busy, so um, that's it's all good. But uh, you have a couple people lined up for the uh, forthcoming shows. Yeah, is that, is that right? Oh yeah, there's a, a couple really cool guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, stay tuned. But uh, why don't we get into our segments here? We got a, a really cool studio time segment coming up today on uh, talking about re-recording songs, the rationale for why you would do that when it works and when it doesn't. And then Murray has something he's going to be telling us about in his pet peeves segment. So this is studio time. So as um, as you progress in your career as a musician, there may be an opportunity or a situation uh, in which you are asked or in which it becomes required that you re-record a song that you've previously recorded. 
It's neither really a good or a bad thing inherently, but um, there's some things to keep in mind that I've found when re-recording a song. Uh, the song that's playing in the background is called Crocodile, and Crocodile was a song that appeared on an acoustic record of mine called Building a Hole, and Building a Hole was, as mentioned, an all-acoustic recording and um, had some cool songs on it. And once uh, I started Collapsus, about four years after that album came out, um, the idea was kicked around a lot uh, to, to play songs that appeared on that record as well as songs that appeared on the Lessons of Autumn. And when it came time to demo songs for the album that would become Dirty Wake, we, we certainly dove in and selected two of the songs from Building a Hole that seemed to make the most sense to play as a band. And one of them was called Orange, which is a very uh, popular song in my catalog, and, and a song called Crocodile, which is a song, um, as the name implies, certainly has teeth to it. It's a very aggressive song. And um, we decided to re-record it. And when we re-recorded it, uh, it sounded cool and sounded fine. Uh, but there is something about the original version to me that has a little more spirit and a little more, I don't know, honesty to it. Um, this almost sounds like a cover <laughs> of a song than uh, something that's unique. And I think that's the first thing I want to mention about re-recording a song is that when it's redone, uh, it's important that it be noticeably different. And there's no reason to re-record a song. Actually, that's not true. Maybe you would re-record a song because you have a new bass player, a new drummer, or a new singer. Um, but it's a good idea that if you're going to invest the time to re-record something that has a previous life, that you're putting a new spin on it. In this case, Collapsus was certainly putting a new spin on an acoustic song. And then it's a, an important thing to step back and evaluate it for what it is. Is this better? Is this worse? And um, in the case of this song, it wasn't bad. We just decided to not uh, put it on the record. And um, the label agreed with, with us in that assessment that, you know, maybe there's some different songs, some songs that would fit our sound a little better and push us into a, a little more of a cohesive package. That's one of the considerations that I found was necessary when putting together a playlist for an album. It's like, well, this is a great song, but it doesn't really fit with, say, um, the three songs that are going to be radio singles. So... Um, doesn't mean you want to be a wet blanket, but it does mean that that's a real consideration. So check it out. Crocodile re-recorded. Murray's Pet Peeves, Improper Use of the Passing Lane. I don't know about you, but occasionally when I'm out driving, I'm driving in the outside lane, which is the right lane, and I come to a point where there's a car in front of me. I signal to go left. I move into the left lane, pass that car, and then return to my regular scheduled program in the right lane. This is how I think driving was meant to be and how I think most of the laws support passing. However, every now and again, uh, I'll encounter a situation like the one I described in which there is a car in the left lane going slower or at the same speed as the car I'm trying to pass. I reach an obstruction. 
in many states, obstructing the passing lane is illegal. Some states, that's not the case. It's a state-by-state thing. But in general, I think one thing we can all do to improve everyone's roadway experience is that if you're travel- traveling slowly, stay to the right lane or the outside lane. And when you're trying to pass, stay in the left lane. It's generally not a good idea to always drive in the left lane if you're going too fast. And a good sign that you are going too fast if you find yourself continually switching lanes. But anyway, as a service to everyone out there, let's be a little more aware of how we're using our lanes. The right lane or the outside lane is there for basic driving, for the flow of traffic. It's also the slow lane. The fast lane or the inside lane is there if you're intending to pass. Now, there are some situations in which the left lane is something where you have no choice. In some situations, you'll find an exit ramp on the left side. In that case, it would make sense to not only be in the left lane, but go perhaps slow enough to safely exit. Other than that, I'm sure there's a couple other situations, like, you know, if traffic is merging, go ahead and move to the left. But here's the deal. The right lane, that's your lane you want to drive in. And the left lane is the lane you want to pass in. It's pretty simple. The Mike Garrigan Podcast is brought to you by Two Egrets Media and Recording. Quality recording for the independent musician. On the web at twoegrets.com. T-W-O-E-G-R-E-T-S dot com.